0: Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Blue Wire. Buckle in, everybody. It's about to get real weird. Welcome to Fin It to Win It brought to you by Harry's make sure you visit harrys.com slash blue for our great new offer that we're going to be talking to you guys about midway through the show I'm Kyle Krabs and I am thrilled because today yeah the main topic of the show is training camp battles to watch storylines heading into training camp which is right around the corner thank goodness But what we need to tackle first is so much more important, and I hope you guys have done a little bit of reading over the internet over the course of the past couple days. Otherwise, this thing's going to get off the rails really quick, and I for one am here for it. It's going to be a lot of fun. We are looking at this Area 51 situation that is building, courtesy of a Facebook group that had had... Uh, six figures at the very least, people RSVP saying that they wanted to crash Area 51 and see some of them aliens. Direct quote. Not my words, their words. And this this Area 51 date has been given an RSVP. There, There's a time, there's a date. People are starting to put together plans. They say they can't stop all of us. So now the popular thing to do and piggyback off of this Area 51 situation is you're seeing people memeing celebrities that are going to be a part of the Area 51 crash party, effectively. Which begs the question, what Miami Dolphins are we bringing for our hit squad For Area 51 crash party. We've got everybody in the organization is fair game. Who are you picking and why? That's the first thing we're going to do today on the podcast. We're going to talk about my personal four-person hit squad to attack Area 51. So now the question begs to be asked. What is it exactly that you need? To storm Area 51, and I'm glad because I've spent a lot of time thinking about this, ironically even before this came up. I'm kidding, or am I? I don't know. I wouldn't tell you if I was. First thing I need is some beef. I need some muscle up front. For that reason, Christian Wilkins is my first choice. He's young and spry, right? Right? Hasn't had to deal with the wear and tear of NFL 16-game seasons, wearing him down, slowing him down. He's a big dude. Plays with a hard motor, right? Like, you watch him at Clemson, you go back and watch Clemson Tate, you see Christian Wilkins, he's all over the place. If we're going to take Area 51, we need a guy with that kind of brawn and that kind of presence all over the battle plan. I get that with Christian Wilkins. So consider the box checked. I may come back towards the end after I make a couple more picks and revisit if I need another badass up front. I also need some brain power. Not sure if you guys know this, but Brian Flores, Dolphins head coach, is a fit dude. So he can hold his own in physical situations. But he's also a master game planner. He was part of the Patriots' run to the Super Bowl and the play calling that they had. I know I can get a guy that can pull his weight out in the field as we're climbing over the fence, whatever we got to do. But Flores on the drive to Area 51 is going to craft a really good plan plan of attack. And that's the way his defense plays. They set terms. They don't play defensive. They play aggressive. And they dictate the game. The pace of the game. So I like this one-two punch. I think I need more beef. (laughs) I think that's what it comes down. Laramie Tunsil. Right? Hey, listen. Brian Baldinger from NFL Network. He did a wonderful job yesterday. Releasing a video breaking down Laramie Tunsil and pass protection. All of his positive physical qualities. Everything that makes Tunsell a rare talent. And he actually referred to Laramie Tunsell as the best young offensive tackle in football with the potential to be the best tackle in football. Very high praise from Brian Baldinger. And he talked about Laramie Tunsell's length and strength and quickness. And it is a rare package, and that's why Tunsil was expected to be such a high draft selection back in 2016. Before the gas mask thing happens. And Tunsil ends up sliding to 13. He was going to go 6th to Baltimore. The Dolphins are now reaping the benefit of that. I can reap the benefit of that, and I will gladly reap the benefits of that for my own Area 51 hit squad. So we got Wilkins, Flores, And Tonsil. I have to consult the list. Probably use a little bit of speed. Now, with all due respect to Albert Wilson and Jakeem Grant, I'd like a guy with a little bit more of a physical presence if I'm going to take some speed out into the field with me. Give me Jerome Baker. Dude's blazing. Ran four fives. He's 230 pounds. You know he can hit. You know he can cover ground. I feel pretty good about this group. Tunsell, Wilkins, Jerome Baker, and Brian Flores. If you think you've got a better Dolphins, current Dolphins within the organization... Okay, I don't want anybody to tell me they're taking 9, 1984 Dan Marino to throw footballs at aliens. Okay? If you think you've got a better modern day Area 51 hit squad, I would love to hear it. You can send them to me on Twitter. I'm at Grinding the Tape. I'm on Instagram at Grinding the Tape. Mostly because I'm grinding the tape. All the time. Perpetual state of grinding tape. Should we talk about training camp? It's right around the corner. Thank goodness, guys. Listen, we've got a, a Dolphins football game the first week in August. We're three weeks away from a Dolphins football game. It'll be here before we know it. The offseason doldrums, they've, they've come and gone now. You, you can start to feel anticipation. There's uh, rookies showing up at, at training camps this week. We're in a good spot. We're in a really good spot. So it's now time for us to turn our attention towards training camp, position battles, what's going to go down, who we expect to win, and why. You can't talk about the 2019 Miami Dolphins without acknowledging the quarterback battle that's going to be going down between Josh Rosen and Ryan Fitzpatrick. And I think with the amount of turmoil that Josh Rosen has experienced with it with playbooks and play callers listen the past four years he's had five play callers going back to UCLA he had a different play caller in each of his three seasons at UCLA and then he had two offensive play callers in 2018 with the Cardinals this is now his sixth play caller in five years I'm not going to stress that Josh Rosen doesn't pick the playbook up super quick because of that context he may come out in training camp and he may surprise us and he may be a totally different quarterback and he may blow Ryan Fitzpatrick out the water. But the appeal to Ryan Fitzpatrick is he literally has nothing to lose. He was signed to be the starting quarterback as a 37 year old in March, and then the team trades for Josh Rosen. And he's thrown back into another quarterback competition. And he says, you know what, screw it. It's the same mentality that he had last year in Tampa. Nothing to lose. Cut it loose. See how it goes. And it went pretty well for him for stretches last year. And I think Fitzpatrick, because of his experience, because of his intelligence, obviously Harvard graduate, you know, the dude's smart. I probably should have picked him for the the Area 51 hit squad. No, I can't take it back. Maybe I can. I don't know. I'll I'll revisit this at the end of the show. Because of his intelligence and his experience and the fact that all the pressure really falls on Rosen to perform because he's on his second team and he was a top-ten pick, I expect Fitzpatrick probably will win the job. And I'm not going to stress out when it happens because I don't think Fitzpatrick's going to play the majority of the season. I think Fitzpatrick will probably start through the bye week. I expect the Dolphins to go potentially one and three. They got a rough first month. They go Ravens, Patriots, Cowboys, Chargers. Three of those four are home games, so that's good news. The bad news is every single one of those teams made the playoffs. And you can make a case for everyone except for Baltimore being legitimate Super Bowl contenders this year. Not ideal. So, if I'm looking for a phase-in period for Josh Rosen, team's got a bye week week five. That's great. Let's put Rosen in to the lineup during the bye week. And we get 12 games of a sample size of Josh Rosen to figure out what the hell we've got. So my expectation is Fitzpatrick will continue to perform at a higher level like we saw him do at OTAs. I suspect he will get the start week one. And I suspect we'll see a few games before Josh Rosen has started into the starting lineup. The Dolphins go three and one; all bets are off. Ryan Fitzpatrick gets hurt; all bets are off. But the good news is, we're going to have a fascinating quarterback either way. There's two opportunities for the Dolphins versus the last few years. There's been no appeal with the quarterback position at all. There's not even anything interesting. I mean, sure, we had Jay Cutler who liked to rip the ball down the field, but he—I mean, he—he he had a different level of. No F's to give, right? I mean, he was just literally there for the paycheck. He'd already retired at this point. Miami threw a bunch of cash at him to get him come back out. Whereas you could argue that Fitzpatrick is, is thriving and enjoying the best stretch of football of his career. Honestly. Before we go any further, I do want to talk to you guys about today's sponsor, Harry's. Blue Wire's teaming up with Harry's to make sure our listeners are shaving comfortably. Go to harrys.com bluewire to save $10 on a value trial set. What's included in a value trial set? I'm glad you asked. Five blade razor with lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. You get all that for just $3 shipped right to your front door. So enough with the cheap razors, it's totally worth trying Harry's. Harry's has fixed shaving by combining a simple, clean design, with quality, durable blades at a fair price. Harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned, so they bought a world-class blade factory in Germany that's been making quality blades for over 95 years. Join the 10 million who have tried Harry's claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com bluewire. All of Harry's blades come with a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. Again, make sure you go to harrys.com bluewire to redeem your razor for $3. As we move onwards and upwards, and we continue to look at more of this Dolphins roster, the offensive line is shaping up to have one or two battles. Uh, I'd like to think it's only one. I'd like to think that uh, Jordan Mills has locked in the... Uh, right tackle position with his starting experience and coming from Buffalo and, and the timing of that signing for the Dolphins. I have a hard time seeing anybody else take that spot, especially Isaiah Prince. Isaiah Prince came from Ohio State this year in the NFL draft. He's got a long way to go as far as getting himself set to play football and technically ready to play at a competent level at the NFL level. So I'm assuming Jordan Mills has it locked in. So the position battle on the offensive line really comes down to everybody on the interior, the best three start. We've got four contenders, Chris Reed, Daniel Kilgore, Michael Dieter, and Jesse Davis. How does this play out? I'm expecting Michael Dieter, who I really like coming out of Wisconsin, to win the starting left guard position. He played there last year at Wisconsin after playing left tackle in 2017. He held his own at left tackle, but it's, he just does not have the length to play there. So he has to play inside, but he's been playing on the left side of the line scrimmage for at least two years now. Daniel Kilgore was an effective Average starting center at the NFL level before he came to Miami. Tore his triceps. Missed 12 games. I expect Daniel Kilgore is going to win the center position, which then leaves Jesse Davis versus Chris Reed for the team's starting right guard position. For my money, I expect Chris Reed to win this job because he's more physical, and I think that's what the Dolphins want to be as a football team. They want to play a physical brand of football. I appreciate the athleticism that Jesse Davis brings to the table, but we've seen enough athletic guys who can't block for shit throughout the course of the last five years in Miami. We've also seen turnstiles like John Jerry, and thank goodness we don't have any of those on the roster. By the way, John Jerry's probably going to be the starting left guard in Cincinnati this year. If you're wondering what some of the quote-unquote tank for two-a competition looks like. The Bengals lost Jonah Williams and Clint Bowling in the course of the last month, and they're now starting. Their best starting lineman is Cordy Glenn, John Jerry might be their second best starter, either he or Christian Westerman or Bobby Hart. Actually, that's not true. Billy Price is coming back from injury. So, long story short, they're like the Dolphins' offensive line, but I actually think the Dolphins have better talent across the board. They got a better, better player, or better best player in Laramie Tunsil, over uh, either Cordy Glenn or Billy Price. Dolphins' second-best offensive lineman? Well, that's a great question. Madden thinks none of these guys are above a 65. It's a story for a different show. I expect Michael Dieter will play at a high level. But I would give the edge to, to Billy Price over Michael Dieter. I favored Billy Price coming out of Ohio State. So then you've got Christian Westerman and Bobby Hart versus Daniel Kilgore and Jordan Mills. Dolphins don't, hot take, Dolphins don't have the worst offensive line in football this year. That belongs in Cincinnati. Defensively, what do we have for position battles defensively? We got to figure out what we're doing in, in a, even fronts when you've got four down linemen. Who the hell's playing defensive ends? Which one of these guys is the nose tackle? That's actually kind of the beauty of the way that the roster has been constructed for this year specifically. You have a lot of versatility as far as we're kind of boxed in in what we can do, but all the players that we have can fulfill those roles effectively. I'd feel perfectly comfortable with Christian Wilkins playing nose. I'd feel comfortable with him playing three technique. I'd feel comfortable with him playing an odd front defensive end, playing the B-gaps. Same thing goes for Devon Gottschall, and to a lesser degree, but you know, still applicable, Vincent Taylor. I don't want Vincent Taylor playing in a penetration role. I want him beating up offensive linemen at the point of attack. That's where he's best. The defensive end positions, assuming that we're going to run even fronts at all, because I think our best option is to run Wilkins and Gottschall as your... Defensive ends, put him in the B-gaps, put Vincent Taylor on the nose. Put Jerome Baker to the weak side of the set as an outside linebacker who's going to play in space, play some pass coverage, will blitz him off the edge from time to time. And then you've just got to figure out your, your Sam outside linebacker because your two off-ball linebackers behind that even front can be Kiko Alonso and and Rayquan McMillan. Rayquan McMillan playing to the strong side of the set where he's got to come down and plug and fill gaps. Man, if we brought Cam Wake back, we'd be okay. I don't want to say okay. I feel a lot better about the pass rush situation with Cam Wake in-house. Even 38-year-old or 39-year-old, like, timeless wonder Cam Wake. Instead, we're dealing with Charles Harris, Nate Orchard, Tank Carradine to a certain extent, Jonathan Woodard. This group's not great, but I think that's our our most favorable base defense is odd fronts where you're down three are Wilkins, Taylor, and Godshall. You're going to have three good linebackers on the field, or two good linebackers, I should say, in Raekwon and Jerome Baker. Kiko's going to be out there, and then you just need to find out who's your finesse pass rusher of that group. I don't have the answer to that right now, unfortunately. But what I do know is the Dolphins are going to spend more time in nickel and sub packages than they are base defenses. So we really just need to figure out who's, quote-unquote, the guy. Who's going to be the rush guy? Is it going to be Charles Harris? Is it going to be J. Rone Elliott? Is it going to be Jerome Baker? Are Are we really going to try and make this shoe fit for Jerome Baker? That rush linebacker position is the X factor on the defense right now. Will it be Andrew Van Ginkle who was drafted in the fifth round? I hope not. Smart kid. Pretty athletic. Long ways to go physically. I understand they drafted him with this role in mind, this rush linebacker, this Jamie Collins type linebacker that we've seen in this Patriots defense for a long time. I'd love to see J. Elliott win it. The AAF signing. But this rush linebacker is the critical position battle. Because it seems the other major position battle left on the roster... Eric Rowe kind of by default has the other outside cornerback position locked up across from Zavian Howard. The Dolphins have solved, reportedly solved. Excuse me. Their position battle for the nickel by committing to Minka Fitzpatrick to play in that role and subsequently transitioning Bobby McCain, interestingly enough, to a free safety role, which I like a lot because Bobby's got good ball skills, Bobby's got good range. I think he compliments Rashad Jones on the back end, who is, as things appear now, going to be staying in the picture. And this was part of what created this logjam of We've got more defensive backs than the base personnel can accommodate. What the heck are we going to do? There's your solution. We're going to take Minka. We're going to let him play where he was best in 2018. He's going to be a, an X-factor defender, defender with his ability to play man-to-man coverage, to blitz off the edge, to be in the box and play run support, underneath shallow zone, reading the eyes of the quarterback. There's a lot of impact you can get with Minka Fitzpatrick when you play him within the box and close to the line of scrimmage like that. So that positional battle has been resolved by the Dolphins by choosing to make Minka the full-time Nick and moving Bobby McCain, which I love because you need to get your best defensive backs on the field. But Bobby McCain is not a player that's suited to play outside cornerback. He gets pushed around out there. He doesn't have the size to really hang with a lot of alpha receivers. Well, he's got good ball skills and range. Put him at free safety. There may be some growing pains here, but you know what? That's what this season's all about. Growing pains and, and, and acclimating to the reset of this entire franchise. Which brings me to my last topic of conversation. Ooh, and this one ground my gears real bad yesterday. So ESPN put out a futures... Power Rankings, which was dedicated to assembling and ranking all 32 NFL franchises based on the next three years, what their forecast looks like for the next three years. And everybody knows that the Dolphins' roster approach right now was built towards, with an eye towards the future, looking to do something different for sustainable success. And it was never going to be a one-year thing. So I understand if you're doing 2019 power rankings and you think the Dolphins are going to suck. And I respectfully disagree with you to a certain degree. I think they'll be competitive. I think they'll win between five and seven games this year. I don't think they're going to be two and 14 or some low-life football team. If you're going to put them there for 2019, I understand because it's year one of the process. But to assert that the Dolphins, and this is exactly what ESPN did, have the worst forecast in the NFL for the next three years, I think misses the mark and misses the point. Because even if the Dolphins don't get a quarterback, heaven forbid, the Dolphins don't get a quarterback, guess what? This team has 12 draft selections last year. Next year, sorry. Do we want to talk about the talent that Chris Greer, in his short time, from 2016 onward, some of the names that Chris Greer, as the general manager of the Dolphins at one point working under Mike Tannenbaum, but ultimately being responsible for the draft, has brought in over the course of 2016 to now? Do we need to talk about these names? We have Laramie Tunsell, 2016 first round pick. We have Xavier Howard, 2016 second-round pick. We've got Kenyon Drake, 2016 third-round pick. Jakeem Grant, 2016 fifth-round pick. 2017 had Charles Harris, which I'm still angry about. I don't want to talk about it. But the second round had Rayqua McMillan, who had a very strong finish to 2018, his first season on the field. And we should be promised by two later-round picks that Greer got out of this draft class with Devon Godchow in the fifth round and Vincent Taylor in the sixth round. I, for one, have not given up hope yet on Cordray Tankersley, by the way. But I don't want to include him in the conversation of talent because the last time we saw his talent was 2017. He did not play to the same standard in 2018 when he was on the field. 2018, Chris Greer brings in Minka Fitzpatrick, Mike Gusecki, Jerome Baker, as quality contributors to the football team. So Chris Greer, since 2016 for the Dolphins, has drafted Tunsil, Howard, Drake, Grant, McMillan, Godshout, Taylor, Fitzpatrick, and Baker. Now adding Michael Dieter and Christian Wilkins as the expected two big-time contributors going forward. That's a lot of talent. And now think about 12 draft picks in 2020. This team will have an infusion of talent. This team might might not have the quarterback it needs to win a Super Bowl, but to think about the Dolphins and their direction and what they've set themselves on the tee for for going forward three years from now, you can't tell me they're the worst place team, worst team in the NFL. There's no way. I refuse to believe it. Hope you guys enjoyed today's episode of Fin It to Win It. If you did, hit subscribe, come back, see us again next week. We're gearing up for training camp like we talked about. Very excited to phase that in and begin some fresh football conversation with some fresh happenings on the field. I'm Kyle Krabs signing off, and I hope to talk to you guys next week.